Hello, Channel Pros. Welcome back to the Channel Journeys podcast. I'm Rob Spee, the host of Channel Journeys, your cycling, sailing, and channel fanatic. All right, Q1 2023 is in the books. I hope you had a great one. We made solid progress on executing our partner ecosystem strategy in this first quarter at Beyond Trust, with a lot more to do in the second quarter. I'm also making good progress on my training for the Murph Challenge. I've got to do 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, and 300 squats on Memorial Day at the end of May. I've been building up since January on my training, going up a level each month. This week, I started training at 80% of the goal. I'm not going to lie. It hurts. <laughs> it does. Uh, but if you're interested, the website is themurfchallenge.com. I just registered yesterday, so I'm I'm really committed now. I'm going to have to do it, um, but I'm on track. I'm, I'm feeling good about it. All right. So on Channel Journeys, you guys know I'm committed to exploring the partner challenges we all face. I get to talk with channel experts who share real life stories of what works and what does not work. And we're all facing the same challenges in building out successful partnerships and, and building out our partner ecosystems. One of the big challenges my team and I'm facing in this is driving the change required on executing our partner ecosystem strategy. That's been a really tough one for us. And I'm guessing I'm not alone on this one. How do you enable your cams, your channel managers, your partner managers, your sales reps, and your partners too, to behave differently? That's one of the things that we're really focusing on. How do we get everyone working together in new ways? Well, to answer those questions, we're talking today with a longtime friend of mine, Bart Finelli, who has become an expert on field enablement and really so much more. He was the VP of Global Field Success at Splunk. He was the CRO at OutSystems while I was there. He co-authored a book called The Success Cadence. And now he's the founder and CEO of a new company called Scalibrium that he is building. Bart shares today how you can transition from command and control leadership to coaching and collaboration. And this is something that we all need to do as channel leaders and as channel managers. All right. Are you ready to change the conversation? Let's go. This is Channel Journeys, the podcast for channel professionals. Here you will meet and learn from channel experts who share their channel victories, defeats, and lessons learned along the way. Here's your host, channel chief and adventure seeker, Rob Spee. Hey, Bart. Good morning. Welcome to the Channel Journeys podcast. Thank you, Rob. Glad to be here. Looking forward to it. Yeah, great to have you on the show. You know, I... I I think I've been trying to get you on the show for a while back, even when we were at OutSystems together, wanted to get you on. So glad we finally pulled it off. Well, we, we, we had to separate. Otherwise, it, it would be collusive. <laughs> like, we have to be in different companies to do a podcast. Right? Yeah, that makes sense. So, Bart, we, we, have, we go way back. I was thinking about it. Our BMC days, probably 20 years ago that we first met back at yeah, BMC. Yeah. I remember vividly, and and it was uh, so I was there 2000 to 2010, roughly. Um, so it was probably early early 2000s when we yeah. started working together. Yeah, I was doing channels, and you were doing sales enablement, right? Yeah, I was selling in the southeast, and then I was a leader under Carl Cross. Um, then did best practices and then did enablement. Yeah. And then you carry that enablement on. You went to Splunk, and you were running global enablement, field enablement at that point. Yep. Yep. Went, so I took everything I learned. I'll tell you that the, what I learned the most at, at MC at the time was in the best practices role, mm -hmm. which was, I would say, more ground level 
contract structure, RevRec, legal terms to get the most out of every transaction that we did. So yeah. that combined with the sell, with selling and being a team leader and then bringing that to the field in an enablement format at the leadership level, that was that was pretty fun. And I did bring that straight over to, to Splunk and it kind of un, unfolded from there into many different roles. Yeah. Where did Skill Will start? Was that BMC days? It was. So Skill Will was a program. I can't remember who exactly ran it. I was a contributor at the time. It was mm-hmm. called Flood, First Line of Defense. And they ran a four box to do team ratings at that point. And it was probably 2005, maybe. Then it reemerged in 2008 when we were trained by force management and, and learned the rigor, I'd say, in the operational discipline that the McMahon culture uh, brought. But pairing that with, I would say, Showdorf's coaching ability and his ability to develop people. That, that's kind of what rounded me out. Yeah. And then Tom Schoderf, who obviously we all ended up kind of joining from the OutSystems yeah. perspective where he was on the board. When did you write the book with Tom that you, you guys co-authored together? Uh, so Tom, he handed me the keys when I arrived and said, all right, build, go to market, you know, build enablement, get involved with the team and help us go faster. He got to design based on everything we learned, good and bad, over the the time at, at BMC, what we learned from the integration of Blade Logic when BMC acquired them. And then that five-year run was just a phenomenal experience where at the end of it, when he retired, we said, I, we just need to put pen to paper, talk mm-hmm. about how go-to-market teams can can help scale a company and not because it's not happenstance. It doesn't just happen. Everything of that matter around skills and abilities and then coaching and developing on the willingness side. So And that and success cadence, you also wrote that David Matson was involved in that, the the head of yeah. uh, Sandler. Yep, he sponsored it. We brought it to him and what we we did, we started it in about I left Splunk in 17, so I stayed 2 years after Tom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, when I left Splunk, we wrote the book. And it was really, I think that was kind of uh, therapeutic in a way, because, you know, you're mm-hmm. taking everything you learn in a career yeah. and you, that we used that was successfully applied over a five, five to seven year run at Splunk to scale a company from 50 million or 60 million at the time to 1.5 billion you know, when I rolled out, yeah. all organic. And it was, it's proof with a little bit of structure, coaching. And a culture that develops people, you, you can do great things. Now, the tech was good. That's mm-hmm. for sure, right? And, and we, we had some benefits there. But ultimately, we, we scaled from, I think, 350 people to into the thousands yeah. running the same go-to-market framework and process. Yeah, massive success story. I was kind of on the outside looking in as a Splunk reseller back when I, I tried my hand at becoming a partner. Yeah, three uh, uh, eliminate three sixty. Eliminate three sixty. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. yeah, good memory. Yeah. It was fun. <laughs> it was fun. Uh, it was fun, and it's 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 awesome to to look back and think about how we've all grown and developed through that process. Yeah, and, and obviously, uh, individual success has been a, a strong, strong theme throughout your career. Huge focus on that, and really a, a lot of the things that you've learned at BMC, Splunk, and OutSystems, now culminating into your new company, Scalibrium. Um, yep. which I know is, is something that kind of got germinated at OutSystems when you were working. And then yeah. I just, I came across an article on LinkedIn a couple of weeks ago that where you were interviewed 
by a gal, Karen Mangia, who yep. is, she's doing a, I didn't realize it was a series, Bart. I looked her up, but she's got this whole series on this topic of moving from command and control to coaching and collaboration. Yeah, she she has a variety of topics, and then she gets to interview different leaders in the industry, and then she hosts a podcast as well. So that was um, that was fun. It it was a perfect, um, I think, perfect combination of timing and what I'm working on with Scalibrium. But it's mm-hmm. all around, you know, how do you lead from the front and coach your people to the yeah. next level? Um, and because I think what what we all grew up in is it's different today, obviously. Mm-hmm. Right. The, the, the folks in the industry, the generation of sellers or go to market talent is new. And, and we all have to kind of adjust to ensure we're applying our best practices in the most favorable way to to those that we're now working with. So it was kind of fun to do that, that process with her. And it really fit because of what we're working on with Scalibrium. So, yeah, it was a perfect fit. And it, and it really caught my eye because I am in the exact situation. And this is why I'm so eager to chat with you of needing to, to change myself and my team channel team from being channel leaders, even down to the channel manager, who's a channel leader for his region into channel coaches and coaching the sales team. Because as we're moving, like many companies to a partner ecosystem model, it's yep. no longer just, hey, let's engage this VAR to sell the software. It's let's engage this GSI to influence the deal, or let's engage this system integrator to actually implement and integrate the solution. There are so many different parties in our and our even our channel team, we got to coach them, and then they've got to learn how to coach the sales team on these these new relationships. Yes. Yeah, there's a, I think there's a fundamental misunderstanding in 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 go to market or a lack of lack of interest in how difficult it is to, to bring integrated teams together, right. Mm-hmm. To, to scale. Yeah. And if you think of, if you think of the channel, they have to do it in mass to, to the third party or to the ecosystem. But if it doesn't match what you're trying to coach your direct sellers and if it conflicts, we've been, we've experienced conflict. Yes, it, we it have <laughs> together. It, <laughs> yeah. And it, it does require a high, a high level of integration and a high level of collaboration through that yeah. process and a lot of coaching, but you got to have a baseline. This is where I think there's a, a, a lack of understanding in a lot of senior leadership. Go to market teams have to have a structure and a baseline that they build around. And mm-hmm. then that, then extends to all of the supporting functions. Otherwise, I don't, it's chaos. Yeah. And that's, and so I want to have some fun with you and take, walk through from your article, you had five steps to yep. shifting, right? From this command and control, authoritative approach to, to leadership, to really coaching. And that was your first step, establish a role-based skill slash ability and willingness baseline for coaching. So what do you mean by that? What do you really mean by this baseline and how do you establish it? Well, so you have to design it and it's different for every company okay. and it may be different for the individual that's designing it. So um, for me, I, I always, if we think about go to market teams, the baseline is always the sales process in my mind. Mm-hmm. And because the sales process has to morph to both how we, we bring our go to market teams internally at our company on a journey. And if that is not highly defined and coached to on a regular basis, well, we lose efficiency because people will do whatever is easiest for them or suits their current situation um, most conveniently. So the baseline in this example as a sales process 
is what we then build all of our coaching frameworks around relative to what we try to accomplish. And from a channel perspective, your sales process is it, it extracts one level. What part of the sales process does your channel play? Mm. Are they co-selling? Are they leading the sale or are they delivering services? It, it all depends on your channel model. Yeah. The partner, but you got to coach them. And if you don't have a fundamental baseline, then what, what are you coaching them to? Or what are you speaking to them about? Typically the product. And that's just not enough because you have to follow a methodology or a process to get the best outcome. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be rigorous, but you have to have one as a baseline. And your, your sales thinking is baseline often the Sandler method or the force management that you mentioned implementing. Yeah, it could be any, it could be any, um, so there's so many methodologies that are out there yeah. and, and they're all, you have to pick one. If you're in a company, you pick one that suits the culture of the company that you can roll out and, and you want to bring everybody on the journey of the methodology. Yeah. And usually the, the methodology fits within a sales process that is specific to the way you run your business. So those are, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding in the industry that the sales process is the same everywhere. Well, it varies. It's it's similar in construct, but it varies based on what you're selling and how you're selling it, what segment mm -hmm. you're in and what market you're in. Um, yeah. And then the methodology that you apply throughout your sales process is unique as well. And those are the vendors, force management, Sandler, Challenger, let's see, gap selling. Like there's so many of them. Yeah. But you do have to have a baseline sales process as a structure that that all of those skills that you learn layer into. That makes a lot of sense. One of the things I'm working on just getting started, Bart, at Beyond Trust is we're rolling out force management for the team. Awesome. And I'm working with our head of sales enablement and say, how do we integrate the partner motion into force management? So it's not a it's not an afterthought. It's totally integrated into that baseline. Yep. So I have a really strong opinion. The baseline is the baseline. There's no question about it. If if you're if you're getting trained by force management, they understand structure, they understand rigor, and they've done this. I mean, I I, I learned and cut my teeth with them at, at mm -hmm. BMC. I've seen them thrive, and I know many companies and many peers that use them. The big flaw not of companies that use those services, they don't bring everybody in the room. Yeah. Sometimes it's just the sellers. Well, guess what? The sellers don't operate alone. And they operate with pre-sellers. They have to feed quality uh, sales cycles that produce outcomes to post-sellers. And guess who else is a part of that? Well, your channel is a part of that. Yeah. So if you're going to bite off the process. If you're going to commit to learning and doing it as a pro, everybody has to be on the same page. Mm -hmm. That's what we did really well, or that's what BMC did really well when Blade Logic came in and we had force management train us. Everybody was in the room and there was no question. This is what we're doing. You come along for the journey or not. Take yeah. Make your choice. And that was it. <laughs> And, yeah. and it's, it's really the only way to do it. It doesn't work any other way. Otherwise, it's just chaos. People do their own thing. Yeah. Very good point. Okay. So that's the first step. Establish this baseline. The next one was ask for an outline of the problem in a simple framework, such as current situation, challenges occurring, desired situation. So yep. what's the point here? Well, so if you're, uh, we'll use, let's use your channel as the example. You're 
your channel team is is having a challenge with a partner and maybe they're trying to bring that partner on the journey to the baseline here's here's how one one trust is or i'm sorry beyond trust beyond trust yeah right? yeah yep. it, here's how we are going to market here's our process and our method w let's talk about the challenge you're having with with the partner that you're engaging and what you typically find is it's a problem that is easily resolved by looking at the baseline What's mm -hmm. the process that you're rolling out as yeah. a cross-functional team? So the answer is usually right in front of them. And as soon as they out, start outlining the problem, it's pretty easy to, to course correct into the baseline or use yeah. the baseline as defensibility for a conversation. Yeah. And that's, to me, I would always feel without a baseline of some type. Meaning, here's the vernacular we're gonna t we're gonna use as we run our business. Whether it's ten data points that are common in everything we do, and it shouldn't be more than that. Mm -hmm. If we can't come back to the baseline as a grounding mechanism to have a coaching conversation, or the person we're coaching isn't paying attention to the baseline while they're bringing a problem to us, it's an opportunity to reinforce. So yeah. that's the whole idea of the baseline is is bringing us back to center. It's kind of a, it's like a loose way of saying that's our rule book for how we're running our business. Mm -hmm. And I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. So in my scenario with the channel managers having to coach the sales reps, if they go back to the baseline, the methodology that we've all agreed and signed up to, yep. including how we're engaging partners of different types of different different situations than just if that rep is having a challenge not understanding it we go back to the baseline you and that baseline. yeah the channel clearly has a defined role in, in your selling process and if they don't then they should and that defined role has to be relentlessly conveyed to the sellers and with the selling the seller's leaders. Yes. So that's the seat at the table that require is required is a cross section in my mind. Yeah. So um and that's a strategic conversation. It's even it almost takes us to to the third step. It's like, you know, okay, so we're out of alignment. We're in conflict with the channel partner, the seller in the account that's all collab supposed to be collaborating with the channel partner and you're the channel manager. So let's talk about how we bring everybody to the center point because we're all trying to achieve the same thing. Mm -hmm. so, so let's let's strategize on what the desired outcome is. And it's that we all operate within the framework we've defined and paid for to design yeah. as a company. And, and if you don't, well, I just don't understand how you can succeed at scale. Mm -hmm. um, and we've both seen examples in our careers many times where the misalignment it delays transactions, it dilutes value in transactions. You look, you don't look polished and professional and you lose sometimes yeah. because of it. So it, there's a fundamental approach to the baseline, getting into the person we're coaching's head by having them outline the problem they're trying to solve, strategizing with them to bring them back to that baseline. Yeah. Yeah. That was a third point you mentioned, offer to schedule time to strategize and determine our next actions. It sounds like you're, you're being specific in kind of that terminology to capture maybe the interest of the rep or whoever you're coaching to, to want to come to the table and be coached. Yeah. It's a great, great observation. The, the willing, this is the willingness element or coachability. And you, yeah. you know, you know, from our, our engagements and our time, like, there's nothing static about what we're doing. We always, as individuals, regardless of our, our level in an organization, we have to be coachable. Yeah. And, you know, there's no entitlement 
Like I'm not the smartest person in the room and I don't want to be. I want to come just to the right decision. And so when you when you're going through this process, whatever version of the process is comfortable for you, um, you, you give the opportunity to the person that needs coaching to let their guard down and show that they're coachable. And I remember th- this works because I remember what I did when I was in <laughs> the role of needing to be coached and I was arrogant and young in my career. I didn't want it. I thought I had the answers. Yeah. And, I, and you know. Well, I might have in my own mind, but I fail to understand that I'm part of something bigger. We're try- really trying to move the needle as a big organization. So therefore, it can't only be my idea. You'll yeah. find out pretty quickly when you ask that question, whether or not they shush you, that you don't get a response, <laughs> you get a curt response, or you get a really deep collaborative idea that will help yeah. you advance your cause in the company. And you're looking yeah. for the latter, clearly. What do you do with the uncoachable, the ones that are just not that interested? You just move on and go spend your time with the ones who are? Well, there, there's a lot of debate on that. <laughs> and I think force management has a great curricula actually on that whole process. Yeah. But for me personally, you know, I, and I think for individuals listening to the podcast, regardless of how, how they're going to apply it, it's somewhat situational, mm-hmm. although there is a baseline approach. You got to give them a chance. You got to explain what you're trying to accomplish with them. Mm-hmm. And, and then if they don't respond to that, you, you do have a choice to make. Um, yeah. And, and that's where, you know, you have to have support and alignment from your leadership and HR on how you handle situations like that. Yeah. So not comf- the, not the, com- the most comfortable stuff, but it's part of life and it's part of growing companies. So you got yeah. to get it on. Yeah, and sometimes the ones you run into, the most uncoachable, are are sometimes the most successful from a numbers perspective, right? Yeah, that's the hard part, right? Everybody, and and you know, if you read LinkedIn, and we all, you know, we all peruse. I think we all want to be better. Um, We all have a desire to improve, right? So you you collect data from um, podcasts like this or reading articles. I do from everybody, and I'm like, wow, how would I apply that? And yeah, you know, at at, at the end of the day, you got to take that solo mindset and somehow get into it for those lone wolves. I think that's Mm -hmm. what challenger calls them. Yeah. And, and try to extract some of what they're doing that works, but also (laughs) soften their, you know, soften their layer, their hard, (laughs) their hard and fast approach. Yeah. The ultimate, and this is a Schrodinger application of, of this. I think there's a level of tolerance on lone wolves or people that go out and really know how to get it done. Mm-hmm. Provided they're not doing it at the expense of the company yeah. and the people around them, you, you kind of work with them because yeah. they're doing something right. If they do it in in a, a uh, an abrasive, negative way, they abuse people or they conflict with your values, your core values in the company, they can't, you can't keep that around. Yeah. When you have it, a tail, trail of destruction behind them. Guess what happens? A trail of destruction this translates to you know the end of quarter war room conversation, a trail of, of destruction. You lose credibility as a leader at every level for keeping mm-hmm. that behavior in your culture. Yeah, and then you become unpredictable in a business because you rely solely on that person for big transactions. And and usually there's one of those people in every geography, and they've gotten the company to a certain point, and then you live off of them. Mm-hmm. But you should be able to model a baseline so that you can replicate some of their goodness without the nastiness. And yeah. that's, the, that's the ticket. 
Yeah. Otherwise, you stall and, and you lose credibility as a leader. That's the worst part. You want to be a credible executive in my mind. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. don't no. be an executive. <laughs> yeah, it, you got to make the. It's not fun. You got to make the hard decisions. Yeah, you just make the hard decisions with integrity and a structure so you can't vary. It's back to the baseline as a leader as well. Yeah. When I speak about baselining, there's a, I'm a, a firm believer in the baseline has to have a hierarchy of the way you apply it. And it, it extracts by layer of leadership. And this is back to if we think about your organization and your approach in the channel, which is clearly a leverage point for companies if done the right way, right? Because it mm-hmm. gives you critical mass and scale and reach. Most companies forget that. They, they don't know how to leverage the channel for the betterment of, of their scale. But when they do, that extraction, that's, a, that's one layer removed from, I would say, what the contributors are doing in the field. If that layer is not on the same playbook and the same baseline as the first line sales leader, meaning the channel manager and the first line sales leader speaking the same language, you're going to collide. It doesn't yeah. work. Then the RD or the AVP or whatever the next layer is, is on your playbook, right? Or the geo leader is on your playbook and your level of leadership is on that mid-level sales leader's playbook. It's all an extraction and it has to fit like a, a chapter book. Yes. So that at the very top, whomever signed the check for training, force management or whomever it may be to help you, command of the message, command of the plan, whatever program you're doing. Everyone has to operate within the framework. Don't mm-hmm. bother if you're not going to. So, and guess what? There's an internal selling element to this. So Rob, you have to advocate in your yeah. company, cross-functionally to your executive team and through your, and through your, your field, uh, your team in the field. Well, your peer needs to do the same exact thing. That's how you get scale. That's how you get critical mass. That's how you get speed and and you don't have conflict. Everybody operates within the framework. Yeah. Sounds simple. It's not, as we all know, but without a baseline and without a hierarchy following that whole methodology that whatever you choose, it just doesn't work. Yeah. And it's, it's really resonating me now that we're talking about it, this, this importance of the baseline, because I've had situations where you, you feel like you've got really strong alignment with the sales leaders. But yeah. down in the trenches at the field level, you don't. And I think it's that baseline. If the if it's not totally integrated with the baseline methodology, you're always going to have that conflict at the at the ground yeah. level. I think where companies this is a whole go to market design conversation too. Yeah. So there's a lot of crossover in the way you, there should be in the way you design the point of impact in the field teams. So sales, pre sales, post sales, channel. The alignment of accounts and partners has to be symbiotic. Like you mm-hmm. can't just have random people coming in. It, it, most companies don't think that way. Right. Most companies, they have pre-sales sometimes reporting somewhere, post-sales reporting somewhere else, sales reporting to a different executive, no common framework, no common playbook, and different language, no matter who you speak with. That's yeah. chaos. It doesn't work. <laughs> At the ground level, everybody has to have a common understanding that Hey, listen, there's how we go. Here's how we convey our narrative and our message to our client base. That's what we're going to do with our partners as well. And you have to hold the ground level accountable to that. And it's a skills thing. Skills and abilities matter every day at the ground level. So when we design, by the way, when we're designing organizations 
at the beginning or the early stages. Designing, knowing you have to spend time working on skills and abilities and coaching people and the design elements of your go-to-market organization, that matters so much to scale. Mm. And sometimes it just gets beyond organizations and they can never course correct. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So back to our coaching situation here, your next step is offer scheduled time to strategize and determine the next actions. You get them to meeting, let them lead the schedule meeting and determine appropriate action. So it's, it's not the coach leading the meeting. It's the person being coached. This is another. Yeah. So when you're coaching as, or when you're leading, let's even say when you're leading, Yeah. you know, we came from, and this is back to, uh, uh, command and control to, to being a leader in coaching. Yeah. You can tell your people what to do all day long. Well, what, what good is that? Then, then you, how are you going to scale if you have to do the job for them? So yeah. our whole, our whole job in leadership is upward mobility, scale and promotability. So, so we have to find a way to coach up and develop our people to do it on their own. And yeah. the easiest way to do that is not give them the answer and hold them accountable to figuring it out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have a baseline. We've established that. You're training now um, at your company to establish a baseline. Common language, common steps, and how you do your job that cross over sales, pre-sales, post-sales, and channel. Yeah, It's a perfect opportunity to set that baseline. Problem comes to you. Channel managers having a conflict in the field. What should we do? Their first answer? Well, uh, I don't know what we should do. You tell me. You're my leader. No, actually, the answer is right in front of us. Why don't you help sketch out, you know, what we should do, what the actions are, and we'll collaborate on that. Mm-hmm. You're just enabling them to do the job. Yeah. Yeah. And guess what? That's your job as a leader. If you were a manager, you'd give them the answer and go send them off to tick the box. But leadership is different. It's leading for scale and growth and developing people. I'm a capitalist, you know, and I want to grow and develop because it creates wealth and growth for everyone else. Mm-hmm. So that's the pure play of applying what we do in in business for profit to our jobs, our day jobs, grow and develop people so you can scale. Yeah, this is so important. You know, Bart, this 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 is conflicting with my command and control mindset that it's, I got to you know, because I want to jump in and just tell them what to do just because it's so much faster. Just here's what you got to do. Just go do it. But yeah, they don't, I, like you said, they don't learn from that. Well, they don't respond either in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. Like you, I felt forced to contribute when that scenario was used on me and it worked. Yeah. So, you know, Steve, Roland was my boss at BMC. Steve Roland, yeah. He tried to fire me so many times because I was so <laughs> difficult to manage. And I would, uh, every once in a while, a little light bulb would go off in my head. I'm like, oh my God, he's going to fire me. I need to come to the table with an answer. And he was just challenging me to grow and develop. Yeah. Right? That was kind of the first time anybody stood up to me as, yeah. a, as a young man and trying to sell and you know make a difference. Well, here we are 15 years later or whatever it is. And I understand the dynamic now and I'm, I'm trying to... Uh, help others do the same thing. I'm building a software platform and a go-to-market company that I think can help with all of this, but there's still this content, there's still training, and there's still companies that are required to bring this uh, this learning IP to people in the masses, and then it has to be applied. Yeah. Well, if you're a leader, you got to be a, a, a coach and lead your people to the answer and not tell them what to do or they'll check out. Yeah, this is such an important point because I hear channel managers all the time. That dang sales rep, I've told them 10 times how to do this. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's not sinking in. <laughs> they need to be able to get the answer out of the sales rep or the sales manager. Yes. By coaching them to the answer, to the baseline. Yes. Then they're, they become a coach and a leader to them and not someone that they're in conflict with. Like this yeah. is the other part. As you get older, who wants to be in conflict? I don't. I want to, I want to find an outcome as quickly as possible without the conflict. Yeah. Yeah. You, you just want to, you know, you, you're, you're the chip on your shoulder kind of wears off. Yeah. You would hope. Now I just hope <laughs> the generations behind us can get the chip off their shoulder sooner and learn that all these than, people. Than we did. All, I, I, I don't know. It took me too long. I mean, I started, yeah. uh, I grew up at about 37, I think. So that wasn't too long ago. But um, the point being is let's bring them on a journey and give them the help, help them determine the answer without telling mm -hmm. them what to do. And they'll grow yeah. faster, I think. They'll be more all successful. Right. I love that, Bart. Okay, the last step, recap the meeting and who is responsible for the next actions. Hold yeah. them accountable to the outcome. Yeah. Now, this is the I work for you moment, by the way. And, and there's two two things, uh, two points here. One is, you know, if if someone is trying to jump to the answer, by the way, really quickly, and they're going to go tell someone. So I'm going to pull our last thread into this last step. They're mm -hmm. going to go tell someone what to do. I always say, hey, it's a three-step process. Don't, don't go tell them what to do. Go emulate what we just went through with them. Soften them up a little bit. Get them comfortable and conversing about the problem and then have them solve it with you rather than go tell them. That's a three-step or multi-step process. Yeah. This is a more formal five-step process. We're on step five now. In our scenario, channel manager wants to go, you know, they want to go run off and do their, apply what you've talked to them about. Time out. No, don't go anywhere yet. Recap what we just worked on for me and send me, send it to me. And then let, let's talk about who's responsible for what, because it clearly mm -hmm. is not just you. It's not just me. There's another sales leader involved that leads that contributor. And, and let's, let's get everybody involved in the outline of what we're going to do to solve the problem. And then we'll go solve it once and for all. And then we'll repeat that and we'll bring it forward and carry it forward as a success. Yeah. You know, showcase your successes in breaking through and then everybody's on the same page. You're just reinforcing mm -hmm. the baseline over and over and over. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this last step is so important. We see this so often in a variety of situations where we don't go through the take the time to recap and who's responsible. <laughs> Three weeks later, you got the same problem popping up again. And it's like, well, what, what did we talk about? That'll drive you crazy. And if that does happen, then you bring them. You have to relentlessly bring them back to the same method. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the baseline and where the gap is. Outline what you're trying to accomplish and what, what you think the result is. Let's yeah. strategize and determine what the next actions are. Here's the pen. You do it on the whiteboard. I'm not going to do it for you. And then, you know, you're, you're really co-designing the outcome and coaching them through it. The, and then at the end, you have them document it. That's the ownership part. And then you hold them accountable to executing it. You've basically yeah. teach them to fish, so to speak rather than fishing for them. Yeah. And that's the only way it works. Now, you know, if listeners are going to say, oh man, this is crazy hard and difficult and this would take all day. No, when you, once you do it a few times and you have a baseline, it's sort of right back to the baseline. Yeah. It's pretty easy. And in fact, you this is like no longer than, you know, your typical shouting match to solve a problem one time. <laughs> Yeah, it's no longer than 60 minutes in mass. You could do all of this in minutes if yeah. once you get really good at it, because guess what happens? They know you're coming to this process next time they come to you.
So they're going to start to do it themselves. They learn like this mm-hmm. is the model. Okay. Yeah. I am going to go to Rob with this problem or my, my second line leader, whatever the hierarchy is. And they're going to follow this five-step process. And they're going to bring me back to the baseline and the playbook that we learned in our training. Yeah. Well, no shit. That's what training's for. <laughs> it's not to train again and forget what you learn. You apply what you learned in your, mm-hmm. in your day job. Yeah. And then you become better as a company and as teams and you grow. Yeah. That's it. So you're responsible, Rob. Now this is it. This is your, it's going to fall <laughs> on you because your team's going to probably listen to this and they're going to, they're going to, then they're going to hold you accountable and they should, by the way. Yeah. And, and then you, you can help your own version of this five steps, whatever it may be, could be two steps, who knows, but use it over and over and over. I guarantee you, your channel team, they'll thrive and they'll bring others on the journey. And it's yeah. all about bringing everybody on a journey as we know. Well, Bart, nothing like public accountability, right? I've got all my listeners. Well, there. yes, that's another, <laughs> that's the other, I think there's a lot to be said for that, by the way. And this is a coachable moment. Uh, if you're in the room and you're not coachable, if you're the senior most person in the room and you're not coachable, how are your people going to trust being coached by you? Yeah. I don't know. Like, I just don't know. Like you, it's a collaboration at the end of the day. Yeah. You might not even, we not, we might not even be right in this whole process and that's okay too. As long as we get to the answer, it's a big boy game. You know, yeah. I don't know. Humble and empathetic. It's tough. You got to grow into those shoes. It took a while. <laughs> well, I love it. This is really super helpful advice, Bart. I really appreciate it. How does this all tie back? Tell us about Scalibrium and what you're doing there. Well, so Scalibrium is, uh, I would say, a roll-up of a career of learning. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a, a go-to-market platform for teams to, to collaborate within. But f- first, the first release of Scalibrium, which will come in the May-June timeframe, mm-hmm. is a product-led user-based framework for coaching. Okay. And um, what we've learned in the course of our career relative to unique methodologies that are out there or your own, whatever you've built in your organization, preloaded in a system that you have the ability to set up coaching frameworks at any level in your organization and coach contributors, leaders, or teams to Mm -hmm. improve on skills and abilities, as well as identify willingness or coachability gaps. And then, and then that is all hierarchy based and repeatable in any cycle time that you want, usually quarterly as a look back, but can be applied weekly, can be applied monthly, just depends on the situation all about coaching and engagement and bringing people on a journey to do better based on a baseline. You have to have a baseline and that's the key. It's a baseline yeah. platform is the way I like to think about it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, really looking forward to that coming out and seeing how it can help us yeah. on the, on this coaching journey. I'd love and, to show uh, it to you. I'd love to, I'd love to share it at some point. So when we're ready and you're ready, we'll sit down. I think you're, you're only 30 minutes away, Rob. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. I would love to see it and maybe get you back on the show too, to talk more about it when you launch the platform. Oh, that'd be fantastic. I, I would be pleased to do that. And uh, I would consider it a privilege. All right. Awesome. Bart, thank you so much. Any parting words for our, our coach to be coaches to be out there? Uh, yeah, well, so let's see, um, be coachable, be a coach or be gone. <laughs> I just think, I, I just don't think you can in, in this industry now today in our world, we all have to be coachable to, a, yeah. we have to coach to a base and, and then we have to be coachable ourselves at every level. Yeah. 
Exactly. Continuous All learning. right. Continuous learning. That's right. All right. The, uh, the pressure's on. I've got to go step it up and, and be a coach. Well, I'm here to help. Anything you need. And I think you got some good experts in the room in force management, so you'll do well. Excellent. Thanks, Bart. You got it. Thank you, Rob. Appreciate it. All right. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Channel Journeys. For show notes and other Channel Journey podcasts, visit channeljourneys.com. If you liked today's show, please forward it to your channel friends and be sure to tune in for Rob's next channel adventure. All right, guys, there we go. Some powerful stuff. Bart shared with us five steps to move from command and control to coaching and collaboration. Fantastic. The most important piece here, I think, is having that baseline, the sales methodology with all of the partnering components of that built in, the partner ecosystem. How do you work with the ecosystem? It's got to be baked into that sales methodology in all stages of the buyer journey. Thanks for listening today. Thanks again, Bart, for sharing those great tips. I can't wait to see the launch of Scalibrium that's going to have this coaching baked in. For all of today's show notes, just go to channeljourneys.com slash CJ111. You can subscribe while you're there. I want to wish everyone a happy Easter this Sunday. It's a very special holiday for all of us who will be celebrating the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I love getting all the dark chocolate Easter bunnies and licorice jelly beans on Easter, but that's really a short-term joy. The love we get from God is everlasting. But whatever your faith, I wish you a blessed week. And until next time, have an awesome channel journey.